Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 79 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Hey, I'm really, really, really thrilled to um, uh, talk to Coach Mason Waters. Uh, Mason, um, I tell you, it's interesting that I find out a lot about uh, coaches through Twitter and YouTube. Uh, he is a rising star in the coaching ranks. Uh, he's the current coach just hired at South Forsyth High School. And he is also a D2 assistant coach last year at Flagler College, uh, NCAA Division II, Peach Belt Conference. Uh, matter of fact, they're in the same conference um, as um, – Georgia College, which is right near me. I have a lot of friends that coach there. Um, he has worked for Kevin Eastman, um, also uh, John Lucas Enterprises and Jay Bellis Camps, and also the Snow Valley Camp. So he's been around some great systems and coaches. I'm going to pick his brain on all those matters. Uh, he has a great YouTube channel. Um, matter of fact, he has some great teaching videos and so forth. Uh, he's a rising star uh, in coaching, and currently he's at head boys coach at South Forsyth High School. And uh, I'm going to really enjoy kind of picking his brain on what he is going to do to build South Forsyth into an unbelievable program. So, Coach, let's welcome Coach Mason Waters. Coach Waters. Hey, Coach. How are you doing? Good, man. You sound great, man. Good. Okay. <laughs> Glad it's coming in clear. Absolutely on that. Yeah. Hey, welcome again to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking out the time because I know you're busy. No, happy uh, to be a building part. Great. Hey, um, I mentioned in the preview uh, when I in your bio about you being the new coach at South Forsyth High School and so forth. Just tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you get to this point? Yeah, I just got on at South Forsyth High School as varsity assistant um, like two weeks ago. I was a late hire teaching because I was still trying to stay in college coaching, but then decided I wanted to do high school. So um, that's where I'm at now. But, yeah, before that, coaching is just always what I wanted to do. Uh, the year before, Last year I was at Flagler College, which is a Division II school in Florida, St. Augustine, Florida. They're in the Peach Belt Conference, which is a great league. And then the year before that, I was a senior in college, and I didn't play in college, but I was coaching high school JV. So it's been a fun journey last year, or these last three years, going from high school JV to Division II men's, uh, yeah, D2 men's, and then back to varsity level in high school. But I've, I've been fortunate because um, not playing in college gave me some advantages of just being able to travel the country and work a ton of different camps and clinics and just interact with a lot of basketball minds. Um, I've worked for John Lucas out in Vegas and Houston and did some work with Kevin Eastman with his clinics and seminars. Um, worked with Phenom Hoop Report, who I think they deserve as much respect as any team or organization period in basketball and um, a, a number of others. And I've just, I've just reached out to a lot of different different coaches and organizations and I just got my hand in as many different things as I could and fortunately had a couple people believe in me and invest in me and just and just help me grow yeah it sounds like you're just grinding it out man just trying to trying to uh just kind of create your own brand it looks like I mean you're doing a terrific job um I think we spoke earlier about your YouTube channel tell us a little bit about 
what you're trying to do. I know creating brand is kind of the cliche word, but that's what you're trying to do as a coach. Are you trying to create an identity and a brand of who you are? Yeah, absolutely. And my big belief in YouTube and all the online stuff I do, I like, I always try to be fully transparent too to make it not seem like I'm trying to be mother Teresa, but I do like run a business and try to make money. But at the same time, I think today impacting kids can be done through YouTube. Actually, I don't think I know because I've seen it and I've gotten message. You know, the most rewarding things I get from my social media content is when I post a video or something on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. And I get a DM from a kid who said, you know, Hey coach, I just did that workout, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. It was amazing. Or one kid left, left a comment one time, like, Hey coach, I'm getting bullied. And he, he was even in another country and he said, Hey, I'm getting bullied. I, I shoot something with his legs or like crooked or something. So he said, you know, the kids are making fun of me. So I said, Hey, just send me a video, of your jump shot and I'll tell you what to fix. And so I was able to do that. So those are the coolest things I think, as far as, you know, talking about building a brand or, or putting stuff online, but it's, it's just a way to, I think, and I, I say this, um, pretty confidently that like coaches who say they want to impact kids today of course you want to impact the kids who are on your team but if you have time I think you should put out content online to impact other kids whether you know they're in your country or your state or not whether they're if you're a men's coach whether they're guys or girls or or opposite gender whatever because these kids are online all day every day and they see enough garbage online anyway that I think coaches who have the time resources and, and desire to like impact these kids. I think we should be comp- putting stuff online to make a difference. Cause as we all know, they see enough garbage on there anyway. Yeah. YouTube is great. And also there is a lot of garbage and so forth on that, but um, it just sounds like, man, you're um, you're on the right track, man. You're, you're, I think you're a rising star, man. I really appreciate you joining me. Hey, give me some mentors um, people that have really had a big influence, um, whether that's high school or college. My first one is Mark Taylor, who's my middle school football coach. He's He's been a mentor for me like 12 years now, probably, maybe longer than that. I played football for him when I was in sixth grade, and he's not a famous name. Probably nobody has ever heard of him that's listening to this, but he's just the, the local middle school football coach, and he's – you know, there was a time in, in high school where I, when I was – a good basketball player and I almost quit because the coach I was playing for whom I'm really close with now, but when I played for him, it was, it was hard. And a lot of the kids hated playing for him. But even during those times I thought about quitting, but you know, coach Taylor, my middle school football coach, even when I was in high school, he was texting me, no, 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 stick with it. You know, keep working hard, all this kind of stuff. And he's kind of the guy who, whenever I, whenever I see him at the school or run into him, he's, he's great to give me advice. And, um, yeah, just kind of share share things that I need to know or encourage me if I'm feeling down, things like that. And then I love reading, too. And a lot of the books I read have nothing to do with coaching. Some of them – well, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. So I, I think a lot of people talk about getting mentors through reading. Like I read a <laughs> – I won't say Teddy Roosevelt's my mentor, but I read his biography this last <laughs> year. And in a way, I felt like it mentored me because – you know, you, you hear the struggles that people go through, you hear about their mindset or their approach or just their life and you kind of get inspired by it. So, um, and, and I need to do a better job. I've always told people this. I don't, I just like staying to myself and putting my head down and working and not complaining and just staying in my lane. So I don't do a great job of having an intentional mentor relationship, but I've even told people that I need to do a better job of that. 
but I still got some, I know I got a bunch of great people I can reach out to anytime. Yeah. One of them's Kevin Eastman. I had Kevin on the uh, podcast for a short period of time. Oh, okay. And, and Yeah. And he, one thing he says, and it sounds like you follow this principle. He is a learn it all. Kevin love, you know, you know, Kevin, he yeah, loves yeah. to, he's always, and it sounds like you're doing the same. Tell me about that. I mean, you're always trying to kind of pick up stuff like, uh, like all the greats are doing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's been the goal. And that's just, fortunately how I'm wired but unfortunately it can be all consuming and 24 7 which isn't good but uh, it's just kind of how I am naturally like always just trying to be productive or pick up something not waste a lot of time but Kevin Eastman he's I mean he's great and I I've got to know him um you know I'm, I'm not going to claim we're super close but he knows me and I know him and I'm sure if I called him I could reach out to him or his wife anytime and um, they'd be happy to help but when I was a freshman in college like on Friday and Saturday nights I'd be watching the coaching you live dvds and uh guys would be like and I went to a school that you know there wasn't much going on anyway so it's not like I was resisting a lot of stuff going on but even some friends would be hey we're gonna go there's like a water tower or something like that we're gonna go do that and I said nah I'm gonna stay back and and watch these coaching you DVDs on a Friday night and and yeah that honestly coaching you and and Kevin Eastman and Brendan Sir too with their service that they did like that really set me on a path early in my coaching career to you know just go out and try to learn and grow and be open-minded and just expose myself to as many ideas and different philosophies as possible. Yeah. You're definitely on the right track. This Thank is you. my 30th year, oh, wow, 30th okay. year of coaching. So uh, I've been around a little while and uh, I still doing that at my age. Uh, that's why I started the podcast. Oh, now okay. um, I'm not, yeah. And I, I'm not, you know, you know, I don't have a state championship behind my name. I, I don't think I'm making a lot of money, but I'm impacting a lot of kids, which I think is the most important thing. But uh, like you said earlier, are, <clears throat> you have to really connect with kids yeah, to impact absolutely. them, don't you? Absolutely. I think, too, even though, like a lot of kids don't like basketball, even some like coaching college last year, not our whole team, but maybe like one or two kids, they didn't even watch the NBA and they didn't even keep up with basketball. And so they were just – they were using basketball for college. And, you know, they, they were hard workers. I'm not saying they were lazy or anything. But just beyond the regular workouts and stuff like that, that they'd perform well at, they didn't really take much interest to it. So to connect with them, we had to find – and, again, this is only one or two guys, but got to find other things to connect with them sure. with. And then when you find what they're interested in and have that common ground, I think. And even in teaching, like teaching now, that's – I mean, I'm a first-year teacher, so I got a lot to learn. But that's something – I think I've learned from a lot of those teachers is connect with kids and see what they like, see what it is that they enjoy, connect with them on that. And then that's when you start building those relationships because they know that you're interested in what they're interested in. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, matter of fact, I just going back to your Flagler college, matter of fact, my friend of mine, who's the women's coach, who was the women's coach at Georgia college, Maury Smith is now the new head women's coach at yeah, Flagler. Yeah. So, um, and he's, he's tell me about Flagler a little bit. Cause he's really excited about taking on that opportunity. Tell me about, tell me about Flagler. Well, Flagler college. I mean, not many people know about it. Um, just cause it's a smaller school, not a huge state school, but I love the campus, the campus and the location is the number one thing, especially in that conference, because there's a lot of schools, some other great programs and basketball teams within that conference, but kind of in small cities, but Flagler, I mean, my favorite thing was that we were right at the beach. So we would finish a practice or we could finish a game and then we could walk down. We could either go to the beach or a bunch of restaurants within walking distance. So it was, 
it was a great location. And some of the other job opportunities I had were out in the middle of nowhere. So it was good that, that I ended up at a good location where there was a lot to do. Hey, that's enough for me, man. I love that. That sounds good to me. I'm I'm a beach guy. Great. Uh, And Mo said he he loves the campus. Hey, tell me about, um, you mentioned that particularly on your YouTube that you are a coach, not a trainer. (laughs) What what did you mean by that? Well, not that trainers have bad reputations, but because I know, I know Chris Matthews, lethal shooter, who I guess would have the most Instagram followers per a trainer. And I know, I've met Drew Hanlon. I wouldn't say I know him, but I've met him. And uh, Jordan Lolly, who's another big trainer on Instagram, his uncle was my varsity coach. So I know of or know some of these like big time trainers on Instagram, and they're great guys. But for some reason, there's like a sour taste for a for a number of college coaches that um, you know these these trainers are don't know what they're doing. And I'm not saying every college coach thinks that, but there are a lot who's like, yeah, it's good on Instagram. And it's true. Like all the cones and stuff like that, that's a debate to be had, but people, people, I think saw me and they think, Oh, here is a, cause I'm re- like, I say this humbly, I'm really good at social media and know how to do it and everything. But people just pigeonholed me and said, Oh, he's a social media guy or he's a workout guy or he's a trainer guy. And I said, no, I'm, I like coaching real actual teams with 15 people on a team and drawing up plays and calling timeouts and actually coaching. This is all just other stuff that I happen to be good at. But I, you look at people who achieve anything, they're always misunderstood. They're always labeled. And, and whenever it's just a natural thing, whenever somebody tries to step out and try something different or try something new or have a unique skill set or just fits outside the norm, people don't take their due diligence to understand the context of, of what they're trying to achieve. And so for me, that just means like with my online stuff, (laughs) I'm not trying to be an Instagram trainer or I'm not trying to be a big time YouTube star or whatever. It's just something I enjoy doing. It's something I'm talented at. It's something I'm able to make some money doing. And most importantly, it's something to influence kids well too. And it's like, I just so happen to also be good at that stuff in addition to coaching which I don't know how good of a coach I am. Yeah, what I, <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you are because you're definitely trying to – you're try, definitely trying to learn the game. And what I love about what you're doing is you're not sitting back and hoping people hire you. You're going out and are trying to establish a name. And whether that's through YouTube or training, whatever, now you, they got you in yeah. the door. So I think you're going to go the wrong way. So you're definitely doing the right things, Coach. So – Keep up the great work. Hey, tell me about what you guys plan to do at South Forsyth. Kind of give me an insight into like your first hundred days. Have you guys talked about that, or what are some of your goals? And yeah, well, I got hired very recently, and I've I got I've said before, me and Coach Givens have really hit it off, but we really haven't even had time to sit down and plan out everything, but a conversation we had recently about preseason workouts and skill development. That's probably the main thing we've talked about. And one key thing was we were talking about shooting machine workouts. So whether it's a doctor dish or a gun shooting machine, one thing that I, I tried to point out last year um, with the team I was on when our guys would, they'd be on the gun and they'd be getting up 500 shots a day and working hard and sweating and getting up shots fast. But, the particular concern I had was when they would shoot, they'd be in groups of two and 
they would shoot, but instead of sticking their landing and releasing the ball and then landing on two feet, having a good balanced landing after they release their shot, they'd be backpedaling to the left or right so that the other guy could hurry in and get to the spot to catch the ball from the gun. So our one of the main things we've talked about so far, and we've got so much more to talk about, is when our guys come in and shoot on a shooting machine, I, we, we kind of agreed to slow down the pace of the pass so that if we got two guys, two players, or three on a shooting machine, give like four seconds between each shot or three maybe so that each player can stick their landing. And the science or math behind that is from Drew Hanlon. I don't know the exact numbers, but he – he and I guess some other guys at Pure Sweat, they studied the top 10 three-point shooters and they measured balance and twist. And basically, I wish I knew the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I don't. But if you remain squared and you, and you land on two feet and you don't spin, your shooting percentage is the highest compared to the more you twist and turn on your shot and the more you land on one foot and have an off-balance landing, the, the lower your shooting percentage goes. So tying that back to the shooting machine workouts is just emphasizing having a balanced landing and not trying to hurry up and get out of the way so that the other guy can start shooting. Cause, and then it goes down to just the habits, the physical habits, and how repetition just ingrains all those movement patterns and motor stuff um, into, into our habits. Yeah, it's the details, yeah. right? Um, and that's where – that's where the, I think the off season work, and we we have some we have a pretty good program here that we've built from scratch. Uh, we do a lot on the shooting machine, but if you're not with them, that's where the toughest thing is because they get sloppy. How do you keep your player if you're not there? How do you monitor that to keep that slippage that that those those solid fundamentals being still emphasized? Yeah, at, at the college level, the answer is to recruit hardworking guys, and then you never have to deal with it at all. But obviously, <laughs> high school doesn't always have that luxury. But I think one of the keys, the keys for kids to learn is, and I, like when I coached fourth or fifth graders a couple of years ago, probably five years ago, I remember telling them this, and I've always told kids this: is if your work ethic and your effort is determined by who or who is not watching, you are not accountable to yourself. You're just up and down all the time. So I've always tried to tell kids, you should be working just as hard as if. Coach K is in the gym, if your varsity coach is in the gym or, or no one's in the gym, you should be ultimately accountable to yourself first. And then whether there's one person or a thousand people in the gym, your effort should be consistent. And that'll, that most importantly boils down, boils down to a character, um, character discussion in my, in my opinion, because of course all the habits that kids build in sports, it carries over into life. And so, you know, does somebody want to be known as a hard worker all the time or just their their work ethic is completely dictated by who's watching or who's over their shoulder? Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. <clears throat> You're definitely trying to build life skills as well. Um, now, I know South Forsyth uh, is a, you know, a big 7A mm -hmm. school. Uh, I, used to work, I used to work at yeah. Pinecrest, so I, I, I remember – uh, the Catholic school right nearby. And so if I used to live right by South Forsyth, so I, I love right. that area. So you're in a good place. How do you guys compete? Cause man, seven, a, there's some loaded schools. How, what's your plan to compete at that high level? Well, I think without giving away, uh, our secret defenses or offenses that we might be working up. I think, <laughs> uh, I, I think, gosh, if it was college, it's like just recruit guys who are, like, that's what I loved about college is that you get to – well, it's not like you get to choose them, but you have more influence of who you can bring in and things like that. But high school, 
I, th- I think it comes down to rebuilding your team to some extent every year. So each year, guys, you know, you're going to get new players. Some players are going to stay the same. Some players are going to be worse. Some players are going to be much better. And so I think every year it's considering what has changed, how the, how, how have the players grown or stayed the same or whatever, and then figuring out all that and then kind of building your philosophy from there. But then also it's, it's less about plays and it's less about execution. Um, no, not execution. It's less about plays and what we draw up on a board than it is execution. So um, I think we'll probably, and like I said, me and Coach Gibbons have a lot of conversation to have as well as the rest of the staff, but I think it's about simplicity but also about repeating that simplicity with really good execution because it's easy, you know, like defensively, for example, it's easy to jump to the ball on one pass and stay in help position, all five defenders off of one pass. And it's kind of easy to do that off two passes. But what about a possession where there's three ball reversals, four back screens, two backdoor cuts, one offensive rebound as, as the offense possession goes on, the defense breaks down. So I think just being able to have – on defense especially, being able to have uh, movement, jumping to the ball, being in the right position on the final pass of a possession just as well as it was on the first pass. So, so things like that. Yeah, that, that's great. And, and you're probably – I'm assuming you guys probably haven't – you haven't been there very long, so you guys probably haven't got into your offense and defensive system and so forth. But give me some – Give me some, give me kind of a system that you really believe in. You believe the game should be played up tempo, or should you look at your team and go, all right, wait a second, I got a slow team, a couple six five kids, we're gonna slow it down. How do you build a system? Well, I I kind of push against the this kind of answers your question. I don't know if it's a direct answer, but I push against at the high school level the emphasis of three point shots a little bit, not completely, but what I disagree with and I'd be open to like a debate on this because I like hearing other opinions but you know everybody looks at oh the Warriors are doing this the Warriors are doing this the NBA is moving this way and I just think well that's the NBA and those are the best players in the world and so just because the NBA is only taking three or taking so many threes I don't know if that's necessary for high school I don't don't think it's fair to compare professional athletes the top 0.01 percent of the world and how they play to just an everyday high school player or high school team so I kind of, I kind of, along the along those lines, playing through the paint, you know, playing inside out, even letting people score in the post and back them down, and if you get doubled, kicking it out. But um, I think too, one one thing that I really have thought about a lot over the last year offensively in practice is that I don't know what value there is in five on zero, and I, I know there is some value, but I don't know how valuable it is as compared to practices where you're having to make reads within your offense every practice so in other words if if there's a five on oh offense and you just run it a team runs it 20 minutes every single practice for the whole year well at some point they just get on autopilot where they just it's just natural to have the certain patterns but instead i think it'd be better for 20 minutes of practice to just be certain scenarios where you put a manager in or you put a JV player in and you tell them, hey, you're either going to jump to the left or jump to the right and then make the offensive player react appropriately according to whatever your offense is. So I think um, offensively that's just something I've really thought about is making sure people have reads. Uh, And I think that's the big approach or the big movement with small-sided games and 
compared to traditional drills and all that. But of course, that's the common, uh, one of the most common debates or conversation coaches are having these days. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I'm a big fan of um, of Chris Oliver. As a matter of fact, I spoke with uh, Tanner Brightman. Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, I don't know if you know Tanner. Yeah. Um, and we talked yesterday. Um, and and Chris, I love I love the Canadian coaches. There's some great oh, yeah, ones yeah. out there, but they they're they're all about the games approach. And I totally believe that. I think my practices go better when there's offense, defense, and the game is a little bit – the practice is a little bit sloppy, but the kids are really learning how to play more than if we did a lot of one-on-zero, two-on-zero. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. And, of course, there's the proper proper context for two-on-zero and three-on-zero. Like coaching freshmen for a little bit, if if you got a new group of freshmen or you're putting in a new offense, of course, you got to explain a new sideline out of bounds or something, five-on-zero, which can help. But once you reach a certain point, then – yeah, I, th- I think it's better to to go from there and, and do the games approach. But also, and it, what's a challenge at – I mean, high school and a bunch of colleges is just getting the film because it would be so much easier to do two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. And if it, uh, a team could just have a manager or somebody record those sessions and then go back and watch that film and be able to point out, all right, this is what we were talking about. Sometimes kids, if you explain it to them verbally, they can ex- – they might understand it to some extent, and some kids will, some smart kids will pick it up immediately, know what you're saying. But obviously, if you can always go back to film, then and actually show kids and explain it, I think that's always more effective. Yeah, and we love Huddle here, and I know you're very familiar with Huddle. I'm yeah. sure. I mean, we we really believe in analytics and video. Even at we're a single A school, coach, and we're really small. But we really do a lot of video sessions, more in small group, not in large group. Uh, what's your philosophy on that? On analytics and video or just one or the other? Actually, either one. Because I, I think I think they kind of work hand in hand in my, in my belief. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I did a – I was when I was still pursuing college coaching, and this was as recently as a month ago, and I think I still want to end up at that level eventually, but I decided to go high school. I just thought it was best for me at this point in my life. But anyway – I was uh, like, I went up to a, a SEC school and I was, I wanted to work for him. I really admire that staff. And I just went up to him and I, I did a offensive analytics report. So it was just, I think it was the last five games of the season. And I just measured things like when they shot a layup on the left side of the rim and the middle of the rim and the right side of the rim, when, when the players jumped off one foot, when the players jumped off two foot, um, just a bunch of details like that. And I think – and I've, I've read a lot about the analytics. Some of it is a revelation where coaches will say, oh, my gosh, I did not realize that. But a lot of it also is just reaffirming what we already know. So, <laughs> like, we can layups. You're shooting 20 less percent with those, and it'll be like, oh, well, I already knew that. So um, – Right. And it's tricky. I've read a bunch, too. Some NBA players talk about analytics and, and – some ha- I think Shane Battier talked about defensively, analytics really, really helped him when he was guarding, I want to say Kobe Bryant, because he understood what Kobe's less efficient shots were. And he was able, and of course, he's a brilliant human being, he is. But he said defensively is great. But then he said offensively, it really made him hesitate and slow down because when he was on offense, he was thinking, okay, should I take this shot or not take this shot or should I move over here? And uh, for whatever reason, defense, or sorry, yeah, defensively it was it was really helpful for Shane Battier, but offensively it, it made him slow down. So, uh, but I guess each player would be different. 
Um, and then film, I think, I think that it should be like, I'd rather study two plays over 10 minutes and get really, really in depth with it than, um, study, you know, 10 plays in two minutes. I think it's more about depth and just making you should see every person on the court, see where they're jumping, see where they're moving, seeing where all five people are. And then of course, um, you know, there's different different strategies for watching film in a scouting context and then watching film in a player development context. And something that I put together, and I'm sure this will be something that I revise every year, but I think when you're watching film, you can put on two glasses, so to speak. So one is the skill development glasses. So you put those on, and you're just looking for skill things. Footwork, catching the ball, hands, um, maybe spacing. Might be talking about timing. Might be talking about angles of cuts, uh, catching the ball at the highest point on a rebound, things like that. And then other glasses you can put on are the X's and O's of of strategy and offensive strategy and defensive strategy. Because I think when – at least I think this helped me watch film. If I understood, am I going to be looking for strategy or skill here? And that way I could be looking for specific things and then go back and watch the game again with the other lens. And that way it's not – it wasn't just bouncing around and just saying, okay, what's going to pop up that I see? Yeah, that's a great point. I'm just thinking, uh, particularly at our level, we focus on one thing for practice um, because it's it, from my, what that does. And I, I believe that it creates it, uh, really a strong focus and concentration. So we might be getting really detailed on one thing, but what happens is, the other areas get better just because our kids or minds are really focused. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. What do you believe in just that? Just as far as focus and everything or depth of one concept and other things like that. One concept. Yes. Well, well, before I answer that, I wanted to say this too, added to video. Um, one thing that I suggest to a lot of kids, and I don't think many people know about this is you can go to NBA.com slash stats and you can go, you can pick any player in any team and you can watch any possession in any, uh, it organizes it. I think Synergy runs it, but it's publicly available. And you can watch yeah. any clip from the whole season, and they organize it. So you can go um, – you can organize Chris Paul's field goal attempts that were longer than 17 feet. You can organize it by Bradley Beal's step backs or however you want to organize it. So I think, too, being able to use those NBA clips for players – like if I was a high school player, I'd do that. I'd watch my own film and then go on and see a player that – um, maybe is in a similar system as me and just see what they do and then watch my film with theirs side by side. And then that way, um, you, you know, when you, when you compare it to an NBA player, you're comparing it to the ultimate standard. And some might say, well, the gifts that an NBA player has naturally are much more, <laughs> much greater than your average high school player. Of course, I agree with that. But still, there's a lot of simplicity in the NBA game um, at the same time. So just being able to go on NBA.com slash stats and, and watch them. I tell kids all that, all that all the time, and they just get so excited because they had no idea. But it's a, it's a great resource. Okay, what was the question you had before that? I got on that tangent. I wanted to make sure I shared that. No, I love that. Matter of fact, I love that because it's a great visual for, for the kids, and I think you can really connect with them and um, engage them really yeah. well. Um, well, just talking about uh, just the one – even with video, I think sometimes the worst mistakes are when we try to give them too much, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, or just focus on one concept. Yeah, I think so. And obviously some some players and 
well, just people in general have more capacity than others. Um, but I wish, and kind of tying into one of the analytics, I wish analytics could inform us what we need to communicate to our players the most. And it's, it just takes so much work for the analytics. But, for example, if there, are, if there is a common mistake that a player is making, or let's say there's you know three mistakes that they commonly make, and of those three, um, you know, the first mistake they have done 20 times the last three games. The second mistake they've done 15 times. But the third mistake they've only done five times. So you got something they did wrong 20 times, something they did wrong 15 times, and then something wrong they did, you know, five times. Well, looking at the analytics, you can say, you know what, he does, he's doing three things wrong, but let's just focus on this number one and number two thing that are most common and get really, really good at those and really sharpen that up. Or maybe even just the most common mistake. Just sharpen that up first and then deal with all the other stuff later. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think along the same lines of just figuring out what mistakes players are making the most often and what are the most damaging to the team analytic-wise and then just correcting that one mistake at a time. Yeah, I love that. Coach, tell me about um, tell me about what do you do to develop leaders on that? And I know you and – you and your coach, your head coach will, will kind of work on that. But I, I believe leadership needs to be a systematic way in, in, in high school programs and college and pro. Um, tell me about how, how are you going to try to develop leaders in your program? I think looking for those natural gifts of leadership. Because I do think I completely agree that leadership can be trained. But like any other skill, cert- certain people have greater capacity for it than others. And that's. I consider myself a leader because people saw that in me. My teachers, when I was in school, said, you know, you're a, you're a great leader. And, you know, people listen to you. People follow you. When you talk, people listen, things like that. And adults in my life, teachers, coaches, they identified that I had that potential within me. Um, we haven't set out a specific system. But for me, my personal philosophy is that look for those seeds of leadership that a coach can nourish and, and then hopefully just encourage that kid to say, hey, you may not know this, but. Like, you know, when other kids on the team talk, they kids don't really listen to them. But when you talk, every eye is on you. Or, hey, when you speak up and echo my message, that really helps the team. Things like that. So that that's probably my number one personal philosophy is just really being intentional and seeking out which kids have that potential. And it's also hard because this is the risk of coaching. What if there's a kid who has that potential and has that gift, but we just miss out on it for some reason? So, and that I would also tell kids – Hey, I might miss as I'm looking for leaders on this team. I might miss the like I might miss your leadership gifts, and I may not see it. But still, believe in yourself and try to be a leader and, and see what happens. Yeah, that's a great point. I love the observation. I think your your master teachers are really just masters of observers, like you're saying. That's a great point. Um, uh, I do feel like. My job is to teach leadership to all my players. So what I do is I put them in small groups. Yeah. And sometimes kids are better leaders in small groups than they are in a big group. Um, so, but do you, uh, I know it's hard to do because I know we always focus on, you know, probably the kid that's the loudest or the most vocal. But a lot of times the best leader is the quiet, hardworking kid, right? Yeah. Hold on, repeat that one more time, please. I think it broke up. Yeah, no I'm problem. sorry, Coach. Yeah, it might have broke up just a little bit. Uh, leadership sometimes is not the most vocal kid. Yeah. It's probably the quiet kid just doing his or her job every day consistently, yeah, right? absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think with those um, kids, too, something is just throw out seeds of leadership and see what happens where if there is a kid who is like, well, they don't really speak much, but they work really hard and kids kind of follow their example, throw out that seed of just telling that kid, hey, you don't see this, but and then I know you're quiet, but you're a great leader by your example. And just let that kid know and, and see how they grow and see if it's an epiphany where they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't I didn't know I had that gift. And then other times, of course, you'll tell a kid that and it won't make any difference at all, but at least throw those seeds out there and, and see what can grow. Yes, we, we win some, lose some, right, Coach? Over the years, right. uh, sometimes things don't work. Uh, like my offense and defense sometimes doesn't work, but, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board. Uh, my last question is this. If you had a, an opportunity to eat dinner with a great coach or a leader, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. A great coach or a great leader? Is that what you said? Yeah, because uh, and it could be somebody has nothing to do yeah, with basketball. Uh, my last uh, coach Miller had John Wooden. Of course, everybody would like yeah. John Wooden, but uh, but to give you somebody that you really uh, admire. Well, I, like I'm a I'm a Christian, and I try to take my faith seriously. I know I mess up a lot, but I'd say Jesus um, as a historical figure or as a religious figure, as a historical figure. Um, man, you. A, a person who really existed and who is is world famous and could you know in a non-religious or religious context either way he existed and he had a great message so i would just i'd sit down with him but as someone who under, who has read some of the words he was recorded to say a lot of the things he said was were hard to understand because he would say things and people would be like what are you talking about um so i'd i'd sit down with him but um, beyond that, I would probably sit down with, I'd like to sit down with Martin Luther King Jr. As like, I've always loved reading. And when I was little, I'd, I'd read all the biographies of him. Of course, little third grade biographies for third graders or fourth graders that were probably 50 page picture books, but just being able to sit down with him and I would just, I'd love to understand or be able to talk with him about what he thinks if he were alive today of the progress in which ways our country has made progress in terms of racial issues and in which ways I would love to ask him, like, what are you surprised about that has not changed? Or what are you surprised about that uh, is still bad? I'd love to sit down with him. And this is a great question because I love history. I'm a history teacher this year. So I would sit. Yeah. All right, great. Yeah, so I could probably go on and on about it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. A bunch of the presidents. I'd love to sit down with all them. But since you said only one, I'll I'll keep it at two, even though I added the next one. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because, um, well, uh, you can't be, be honest with you. I speak with Jesus every day, but sometimes he answers. Sometimes he allows me to kind of create my own answers. Sure. But um, I, that's a, that, that's a, that's a great that's a great one right there. Um, hey, hey, tell me this. What do you want? your program to represent this year what are you guys what are you and i know it's you and your head coach trying to uh get together on it but what is one thing that you would like to see from your program this year representing um south forsyth high school what do you guys want to be known for for me and this is a conversation me and coach Givens will have and so i won't answer that on behalf of our whole program but for me personally i think i can answer that question 
for me is turn in terms of what do what change do I want to see in the young men that I coach? And I just want to see strong men who who grow up and have the right values. And it's funny because we coaches are, you know, we can be such hypocrites because we always talk about we want our guys to be responsible uh, family men who serve people and make a difference. And I've still got to do a better job of all that every single day. But nonetheless, I'm still right. trying to become that and have so many ways to grow in that. But yeah, I think I think the world is desperate for strong leadership. Nowadays, I think the world is desperate for people who really stand for what they believe in. I think um, the world is desperate for people who don't apologize for what they believe in, things like that. So I think just strong men who care about people who have high character, who who are generous and kind, but who are also really, really solid and, and unshakable in their core principles or their core beliefs. Yeah, I love that. And um, those are things that will carry him for a long yeah. period of time, way past basketball. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's easy to say. It's so hard to do. I mean, that's why you pray and just ask for help to achieve those things because it's a great goal. But I, I probably have a lot less influence over that than I wish or think I have. But nonetheless, I think it's still worth giving an effort towards. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you don't know until down the road. I have actually, we hired one of my former players this year. Um, and I'm so blessed now. I know I'm getting old, but I'm so blessed to have the you impact sound that, young, though. When, that she when really you said you were coaching 30 years. I was like, man, he sounds, he sounds young. I thought you were, I was like, man, he's got a young voice. Man, man, you make there me feel go. good, there coach. Go. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bob, hey, I want to give you a personal invitation to come to our clinic coming up September 14th. Uh, I call it the Legends Clinic. I got eight coaches from around the country awesome. coming, all high school okay. coaches. You would love it. Matter of fact, um, you know, I'll give you a personal come on in. Don't worry about the cost and so forth. I'd love to have you come in and bring your staff, bring your head coach, um, it's at Lake Oconee Academy, and I'll send you all the okay. information. So I just want to share that with yeah, you. Yeah, I appreciate that invite. I'll, uh, I'm going to share it with my head coach, and we'll see. I think we're still filling out our staff, too. So maybe when we put put an offer on the table to the next assistant or whoever, we can say, we already got you a free clinic. <laughs> okay, great, great. Coach, thanks for sharing, man. Thanks for sharing your vision, man. And I know you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a rising star in the profession, and um, hopefully, I can kind of come out and see you yeah, guys absolutely. play. Eventually. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, let's let's. I'd love to do it again, maybe in a couple months, and catch up. I'd love to do that. Maybe a mid-season evaluation. Yeah, what do you think? Mid-season, post-season, something along those lines. I'd love to. That'd be great, Mason. Thank you're you so much, welcome. Coach. Good talking with you. See you. All right, appreciate it. All right, bye. Hey coach, Tanner Brightman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up about our 2019 Best in the West Coaches Conference, October 4th, 5th, and 6th in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Our presenters this year are fantastic. Some of the greatest basketball coaches in the world. Chris Oliver, Mike McKay, Alex Sarama, Yurik Michaels, Shawnee Harley, and Dave Taylor will feature 13 hours worth of content for coaches to learn for the low, low price of $100 Canadian dollars. Coaches will get fed and will be given over $1,000 worth of discounts and giveaways. Please feel free to reach out to me via email or social media if you would like more information or if you would like to register, log on to www.basketballsask.com and register today. Hope to see you there. 
Hey coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. I want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put <clears throat> a special code <clears throat> of LEGENDS. When you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com, I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care.